Happy Wednesday evening to you, church family. Uh, as you well know, we're in a study of the book of Galatians. And so if you would find your copy of the scripture and uh, turn to Galatians chapter 5. We finished up last week at verse 12. So today we're going to simply look at a small passage, uh, verses 13 to 15. Uh, Galatians 5, 13 to 15, and we're going to talk about the gospel's call to freedom. Uh, I'll be reading from the NIV text. I encourage you to get your copy of God's Word. And let's begin in verse 13. Uh, my heading in my Bible talks about life by the Spirit. And so that's what we will be talking about uh, some tonight. And let's begin in verse 13. He says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed. By each other. Let's pray. Father, we lift up the families in our church and the individuals who are in great need of our prayers. We continue to ask your healing touch upon them. You know each need. And God, we pray, we appeal to you for your intervention. Help these individuals and families. And Father, those affected by COVID-19, I think of the, the Phillips family, I think of the Deese family, continue to be with these families in a very special way. Uh, wrap your loving arms around them and shepherd them through this time that they're going through. I pray that you would open our understanding tonight to your word. And Lord, may it have just very real application in our lives day in and day out. May we live out these verses that we, we will cover tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Got a question for you. Which is better <clears throat> to walk into a room uh, such as a worship room? Think of a church sanctuary. And you see a wall on a sign that says... Please no cursing, no profanity. This is a house of worship. Or to have a sanctuary, a house of worship, filled with people who don't curse, don't use profanity. They want to use language that praises God and glorifies God, that encourages their fellow believers because their heart has been changed. So which scenario would you prefer? Uh, again, which is better? To have a very high up banker or businessman who does not want to have an affair with the secretary seated outside of his door because if he does and he gets caught, he might lose his job uh, and he might lose his relationship with his wife. Or would you want to have a banker who is so in love with God and with his wife that he wouldn't even want to think of such 
because he knows it would dishonor God and it would break his wife's heart. Which scenario would you prefer? I hope in each case you would say the last one that I offered. You see, in both of those instances, the situation of the heart change is far better. It's better to have a life that is different on the outside because the inward heart has been changed than to have a life that simply conforms to an outward code out of fear of being caught. You see, that's the difference between law and gospel. The law presents us from the outside with the fear of punishment. The gospel, however, presents us with the opportunity to be changed from the inside out. The outside is different because the inside is changed. The heart is changed. Now, folks, those are issues at stake in these verses that we look at tonight in the book of Galatians. The differences between law and gospel are the differences between mere outward conformity and inward transformation. And we're going to see tonight that inward transformation is always better. And inward transformation is what God requires. I hope you'll take some notes tonight. Write down, first of all, Christian freedom enables us to oppose the flesh. Read verse 13 with me again. He says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. The Judaizers had been arguing in favor of the law and circumcision, uh, which was the outer sign of the covenant. They wanted to go back to the demands of the law. Now, in these verses, we see one of their fears resurfacing. It's almost like the Judaizers are thinking, if the Apostle Paul is right and we're saved apart from the law, then a life of faith which does not depend on the law seems like it might lead to license. In other words, if I don't need the law to be justified in God's sight and I live apart from the law, then I'm perhaps going to become a lawless pagan in my actions. That seems to be their fear. That where there is no law that you live according to, you're not trying to justify some code of the law, you're just going to go out and live continually in sin. There's nothing to restrain you. Paul wants the Galatians, though, to understand the gospel. In the gospel, the heart is changed. You know, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. The gospel presents us with God changing us from the inside out. We move from a position of bondage to the law to a position where Christ has fulfilled the demands of the law for us, and we're justified freely by his substitution. But what the Galatians need to understand is that with salvation, Christ takes up residence in the heart. He changes us. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit, and He is with us. He lives His life 
in and through us. He gives us a strength from the inside. Just as we can't depend upon the law to be the basis for our justification, likewise, we don't want to depend upon the law to be our basis for sanctification or growing in grace. We're talking about things that the law in and of itself does not have the power to do. However, a Christian is going to live by the law now more than ever before. You see, before it was just a slavish outward conformity to, to a particular code. And, and that outward conformity, you know, we were held in check by a fear of punishment. But now in Christ... Our hearts are redeemed. Our hearts and our spirit transformed. We don't want to dishonor God. We want to obey God from the heart. The spirit of the law is written on our heart. And that's so much of a better motivation towards godly living than simply having the letter of the law written on paper or stone. So far from being an incentive to breaking the law, the gospel is an inducement to living out the law, to living holy lives that honor God. And so Paul says what he does here in verse 13. We are called to freedom. He says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. I want you to think about this. <clears throat> The world craves freedom. We talk about racial freedoms. We talk about political freedoms. We talk about economic freedoms, national freedoms. On and on that list goes. But you know, the world means something entirely different by it. The world oftentimes means freedom in the sense that I can go out and do whatever it is that I want to do. And so think, think in our nation in recent history, in many of our lifetimes, go back to, say, the decade of the 60s. You know, we saw people running out and enjoying the sexual revolution. Uh, we saw numbers of people getting involved, perhaps for the first time on a large scale, uh, drugs, marijuana, LSD, all sorts of things. Now, did we see the result of that being freedom? Certainly not. We, we could argue that the result of that has been a new kind of bondage. It's like Jesus said, he who commits sin becomes the slave of sin. Freedom to the world means the freedom to sin, this is what freedom in the world means, the freedom to sin and do anything I want to do when I want to do it, regardless of who I might hurt in the process. The result is that I and those around me, my loved ones, might end up in a horrible bondage. But the freedom Paul talks about here is a different kind of freedom. We're free from the demands of the law because Christ has set us free by fulfilling the demands of the law. And so we are truly free before God. We have peace with God 
and we've been emancipated from the rule of Satan in our lives. And so Paul says, make certain that now that you are free in Christ, you don't use this new freedom to indulge the flesh. Now, by flesh, Paul means so much more than just the skin or the meat on your bones. He means the fallen human nature and everything that comes from that. Notice the word opportunity that he uses. It, it was a word that, in some context, would have a military background. It was used of a base of operations from which maneuvers would be carried out. And so Paul is saying, don't use your freedom from the law that you have in Christ as a base of operations to now indulge the fallen human nature. Because if anything, the gospel calls us to a higher standard. In fact, for someone to believe that Jesus sets us free so we can go out and sin, that's a person who doesn't even really understand the gospel. And you know, Paul makes that argument at the end of Romans chapter 5 and going into chapter 6. In chapter 6 of Romans, he says, you know, we have died to the flesh positionally, and so practically we are to put to death the deeds of the flesh. We're now free to live in such a way that we can glorify God. And we have the indwelling Spirit of God to help us in this, to give us strength and wisdom and direction. Before, when we were living in such a way to try to appease God by just trying to rack up more and more good deeds, the Bible says that all of our righteousnesses were as filthy rags before God. But now, as those who have Christ, we can live in such a way to glorify God. God sees us not clothed in our own merits, but he sees us clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so now we can truly live as shining lights in the world. You know, Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 13 through 16 that we're the salt of the earth, we're the light of the world, and we're to live in such a way that men will see our good deeds not glorify us, but rather they will glorify our Father who is in heaven. And as Christians who have been set free by Christ and indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we can now live that way. The second thing I want you to see, Christian freedom enables us to serve one another and to fulfill the law. He begins talking about that in the second part of verse 13 and going down through verse 15. You know, unredeemed men are forever trying to use God and use one another for their own advantage. Everybody just kind of simply wants to know what's in it for me. And because of that, men cheat, they lie, they steal. They kill. They do all sorts of evil. Even those who try to live by the law most often want to know, how much can I get away with? 
But when we come to Christ, we're exposed to a higher standard, the standard of love. In Christ, we can, for the first time, truly love God and love each other. You remember on one occasion, Jesus was asked, Master, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus answered, he said, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He said, those are the two greatest commandments, and on those two commandments hangs the entire law and prophets. Here Paul picks up the second of those, the second great commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. But let's consider both of the great commandments together for a moment. You know, on Sunday mornings, we've we've rejoined our previous study on the Ten Commandments. So I I just want to ask you to think about the, the pattern that we see in the Ten Commandments once again. The first set of the Ten Commandments, we notice that Those deal with the vertical, our relationship to God. The second part of the Ten Commandments deal with the horizontal, our relationship to one another. Now, if I truly love God with all of my heart and soul and mind and strength, then guess what? I'm going to obey the first half of the Ten Commandments because I'm going to be motivated by love. I'm going to want to obey God out of a heart of love and gratitude. I'm not going to want to use God's name in vain, for instance, because in doing so, I would hurt God, I would dishonor Him, I would sin against God. And so if I truly love God, I'm not going to want to do things that would dishonor Him. Same thing with the second half of the Ten Commandments. If I truly love my neighbor as myself, then I'm not going to want to kill him or, you know, take his wife or take his material goods from him. And so all of those commandments to be a good neighbor will be taken care of if I simply love my neighbor as myself. And so all the law and the prophets are summed up by the commandment to love. Now, Paul is not saying that all the other commandments just all of a sudden don't mean anything anymore. You know, we can take a knife or scissors and just cut all all the commandments out of our Bibles. He's not saying that. He's just simply saying if we love like we're supposed to, the other commandments are going to fall into place and we're going to live according to those. So Paul is admonishing the Galatians to use their freedom in Christ not for themselves, but instead for loving others. And so if they will only do that, any objection to living without the law will be taken care of. Far from living like unbelieving pagans, they will seek to live like Jesus Christ. But don't miss what he's getting at. Christianity allows us to love like that because we have Christ in us. Again, beforehand, the best that the law could do was to to provide a motivation from the outside. But as I said earlier, in Christ, we have his presence in us 
we have God changing our heart and our spirit, we have the inward motivation. And so as Paul's pointing out, the Judaizers continue to get everything wrong. They really show that they don't have an understanding of the gospel and they don't have an understanding of the transformative power of the gospel in a person's life. And so what the Judaizers were enjoying was a false freedom. Paul uses verse 15 perhaps to illustrate this. You see, I I don't believe that verse 15 just floats out there on its own in some kind of disconnected way. Look again at what he says. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. What were the Judaizers doing? They were coming in and they were speaking against the Apostle Paul, and and they were trying to get people revved up on their side against Paul, and people were drawing up sides and, and biting and devouring one another in the church. And so the Judaizers and those who were listening to them, you know, in that sense, they had the law, but they they weren't living by the law either. If the Galatians adopted the standard of the Judaizers just by the way they were doing Paul, they would end up devouring one another. Because again, there's only so far that the law can go in being a motivation against sin. And the gospel, as I've been saying, raises us up to a new standard of godliness and love. The gospel doesn't diminish godliness. It elevates godliness to a whole new level, a Christ-like level. And it doesn't diminish love. It elevates love to a whole new level, a Christ-like level. Now, just on a side note, apart from everything I've said about this, As you look at verse 15 again, boy, what a verse for Christians today in church. What are we seeing in society all around us? People devouring one another with their words. And you know, it's sad when you see an attitude like that come into the church. People biting and devouring one another. By the way, that biting and devouring one another was a a term that was used in the Old Testament sometimes of serpents biting. If we treat one another like that in the body of Christ, that church body is going to be destroyed and their witness is going to be destroyed. And that's certainly not reflecting the way of love either. That's not loving your neighbor as yourself. And so I think verse 15, when we look at what's going on in 2021 today, boy, what a word. That, you know, I would encourage you to memorize that verse and live by. Because we're reminded in other places that we're not to let any unwholesome speech come out of our mouth, but words that would encourage others and build one another up because biting and devouring one another does not reflect 
positively on the inward change. Well, let's close with some lessons for tonight. I'm going to give you four of them. Lesson number one, legalism only provides an outer conformity to the law. Legalism only provides an outer conformity to the law. Secondly, Christians are free from the demands of the law. And here's what I mean by that. Those demands have been fully met by and in Jesus Christ. A third truth. Grace does not provide a license to sin. If somebody thinks so, then they don't understand grace. Grace calls us to a higher degree of holy living. Based on gratitude to God of what He's done for us in Christ. And then a last lesson. A relationship with Christ means the heart has been transformed to live in holiness. A relationship with Christ means the heart has been transformed to live in holiness. I would remind you once again of 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any person is in Christ, they're a new creation. God bless you.